This episode is sponsored by Appian, a technology leader in driving digital first insurance transformation. With Appian's low-code automation platform, you can build enterprise apps and workflows rapidly in an agile environment. How long have you been flying? So um, I started flying actually while I was in high school. It was just no one in my family was a pilot. It was just a passion that I had and kind of one of those crazy things you do when you're a teenager and kept doing it. Um, Did it for quite a few years and I originally thought that was going to be my career path. And what happened? (laughs) Uh, I married a helicopter pilot and like I think a lot of people know marriage can derail a lot of things in life and change your plans. So it was a good thing though. It it ended up um, where it is today and I think it's the right path. So it's all right. Well, are you a helicopter pilot, fixed wings? What's the, what, how many licenses do you have? Yeah. So I am a helicopter pilot. Um, I chose helicopters. Um, I was always amazed by just the difficulty behind flying them. Uh, my husband's a professional helicopter pilot, flies for UCLA Children's. That's enough. That's where it ends. So as a Angelino, what happened with Brian? Seriously? What happened there? What happened with what? With the helicopter crash? That I can't really touch for the reason of, you know, and I think a lot of professional people would say, if you weren't right there in that space at that time, it's hard to make assumptions, especially with something as serious as that. And as an amateur pilot at best, um, I I just wouldn't want to put myself in that pilot's shoes at that time. Such an eloquent response. I, I truly appreciate it. Although everyone really wants to understand what, how we lost such a treasure of the city. It's horrific. Um, I had met that pilot um, early on just because it's such a small community. And, um, you know, and obviously with Kobe, it's such a loss to the city. But it's, yeah, it's just one of those horrific events that occurs. And it's hard to, to you know, understand what happens in that moment. Can you give us a little bit of introduction about yourself, who you are, beside the fact that you're a helicopter pilot? So uh, basically, I started out my career um, at the beginning of e-com, actually, in Los Angeles. There's a company here um, called Cars Direct. And just got to get involved in the early process of when selling cars online was something new and interesting. Um, and got contacted by a headhunter kind of out of nowhere um, from a company that later became Solera and Auto Physical Damage. And, you know, just being young and naive, the idea of going from auto, one automotive, you know, sales and automotive over an insurance seems like an easy and obvious transition when in reality I could have just gone into pharmaceuticals or something because it's completely starting from scratch. Um, and after that, just ended up, you know, being at Mitchell International for 10 years and finding auto physical damage, just something to be incredibly interesting, especially during this transition of auto tech coming into the space um, and went from 
you know, meeting a lot of mentors in the space that were really focused on at the time, what was called, you know, basically fixing computers on wheels of how are we going to take all these Mm -hmm. technicians that are used to using hammers and fixing vehicles and making sure that people stay safe and aren't dying in secondary collisions because calibrations aren't done correctly. And these same individuals now have to basically be able to code and do programming to some level um, and became incredibly passionate around that area. Um, got to spend a lot of time with the, the, the shops actually doing these repairs in through one connection or another, that's what life is about is all this networking and got introduced to a siege stage startup in Los Angeles um, that was really focused on creating early stage AI around fixing vehicles. Um, mm-hmm. And probably, you know, I would say like my husband wasn't super excited about the decision to leave the cushy, you know, comfortable, big company environment, made the leap and um, left, you know, a 10 plus year career in that space to join a startup early seed stage um, as a CRO, um, pretty quickly became the CEO and built up a team over there. Um, and, you know, basically, uh, I think created a lot of change and got a lot of attention on trying to address these things, um, as well as bridging, um, communication gaps in between the three main software solutions out there. And I think like that was, you know, like, I think a lot of people would say in startups, the education you get in one year at a startup is equal to 10 years at a normal company, just through brunt, the blunt force of being on the front and, you know, being that, what I would describe at times is like a fishing ship out in the middle of the ocean and just getting knocked around so much. And it was just a wonderful experience. Um, and like so many startups, you know, things change over time and the direction really started to focus on the um, primary offering of the company and not so much the AI that I was passionate about. So we ended up parting ways. um, And again, just an interesting connection in LA, Um, you know, knew a a great um, influencer in this space, Julie Ehrman, who um, is running Angel Mm -hmm. City Football Club now, introduced me to her neighbor when she found out I was in the space I was, who was running this really interesting startup called Honk. And that kind of brings me to to present tense. Um, And they were doing some interesting things in roadside. So I started talking to them and just, I think the complimentary talent on both sides and the backgrounds together was something we were both really excited about, brought me to Honk. Um, So um, since then, you know, like you said, I'm the CRO here. I did some things on the network side as well, but we're, we're really just building a platform that's reaching deeper and deeper into the insurance space and like everybody trying to make a, a long lasting difference on, you know, the future of where that's headed. I love the fact that you already started, you know, the segue to Hong Kong. Now you've been with Hong for a little bit over two years, right? Do I... A little bit over two years. That's right. It'll be three years in the fall. Congratulations. Now, yeah, and I see already the things that you brought up from the previous startup uh, in terms of AI, and I'll be more than happy to dig into that because people, AI, it's like, you know, their ears are still perk. Apparently, it's still a hot topic. I don't know why, because we've been talking about AI, telematics, all that stuff for so many years. But yeah, we, it's still a work in progress here. Right? You know, right? some of this is the silver lining of COVID. I really think that you know, there's so many horrible things that have happened, but this is one of those silver mm-hmm. linings that really pushed that tech 
to a point where it's no longer, you know, out in the future. It's real. It's today. It's happening. And it's incredibly exciting. Tell us a little bit about Hong so we can have the context and we'll continue from there. Absolutely. Um, so Hong came into the industry really looking to disrupt roadside because like a lot of founder stories, our founder had an awful experience of waiting forever on the side of the road and watching a million tow trucks go by and just couldn't understand why one of them couldn't stop to help. Um, so no one uh, from the executive team comes from the roadside industry. It's all a bunch of technologists um, went back and the simplest description is created an Uber um, Lyft like uh, operation to deal with roadside. And the way that I, what I mean with that is, you know, basically bring 70,000 providers. So go out there and get all the providers in this industry connected to a platform put the consumer at the center. So when somebody needs help, rather than the old school model of roadside, which is you own a territory. So some, you know, Joe's towing owns a five mile radius. And no matter who calls in for help, they all get stacked up with Joe, which is why we all wait 60, 90 minutes on the side of the road. Uh, Honk put the consumer at the middle and went out in a radius and looked for who's the closest person that we can trust that has the right equipment and treats customers the right way, is safe, um, and, and connects those two individuals together. And by doing that, um, the company over the last you know eight years or so um, has completely changed expectations mm -hmm. and created a retention tool, really, for insurance carriers, fleet companies, other businesses, because we're giving great experiences, we're doing it faster. And, you know, we put incentives for our providers in the right place to cause our NPS to be as high as, as it is. Um, and that builds on the background, which we're going to talk about later. Now that that's been developed, we're really looking at ways of how we can use the tech in trucks to have a further influence on developing areas around us like tech in uh, insurance and other businesses that coming out of COVID are flourishing now. Now, I would really like to continue to talk about insurance because that's a natural question, but I'm very curious about the business of the uh, roadside assistance. So you talked about territory. So you had Joe's truck or whatever that may be. How did it work? Who set up the, the you know, this is your territory where they're like walking like gangs and, you know, and marking with graffiti or how did it work? Great question. I wish that was the story because that would be an awesome story to tell. Um, but my, this is where I'm going to get into the, the dangerous territory of assumptions because I haven't mm -hmm. actually found any true history of roadside. But just looking around at where we are now, um, the large companies in this space created agreements and basically exchanged territory for standardized SLAs and pricing. So gotcha, I think gotcha. that that model, very similar to a lot of things in insurance like DRPs and other places that just kind of evolved over time of how do we handle a very segmented business and create some standard around it, um, evolved into the system that was really counterintuitive to, I think, what it was designed to do in the beginning, which is give you know people a, a at, at best, a, a wonderful experience, but at least a, the dignity of, you know, knowing what's going to ha happen and experiencing that in a safe way. So the analogy or the example will be taxi dispatching networks that they had different uh, uh, regions or territories. And now you decentralize it. Oh, here is the crypto reference of the day. And you made sure that, well, at the end of the day, 
the application of it. It's customer-centric because it's all about where the customer and who's the first to serve that customer. Okay, great. My, my curiosity is satisfied. Now let's talk about insurance because the majority of our uh, audience are insurance, insurtech, investors, this beautiful part of the ecosystem. My introduction to Honk was when I was with Farmers Insurance, part of the team of, you know, looking into Hong, see how we can actually integrate their value proposition into the digital products, mobile application, web, of course, web doesn't really make sense when you are stuck on the road, but it was more about mobile. And then of course, the value proposition, which is for many people claim the right service to your policyholder. And always we look at the NPS score because that's the easiest way to measure the success of uh, the company and not the agents. Down to retention, honestly, in the long run is... Yes, retention, most definitely. It's interesting because it's not talked about a lot, but roadside is the most common claim by far, right? These, these instances, you know, collisions, at least, uh, you know, current data or whatever only happen every seven to 10 years. So those touch points with customers are so important. And if you think about, you know, the memory that most people think about when they have a roadside claim, it's awful. So if you can turn that around and you're representing an insurance company, like you mentioned farmers and you show up and it's just this night and day, great experience. Um, we can see directly in the data how that positively impacts for that cohort of people the retention of a major insurance company. And that's obviously incredibly exciting. And you're not anymore thinking about changing tires. You're thinking about how you can retain uh, claimants in this incredibly uh, competitive space we live in right now. Um, so I think it's really exciting, uh, you know, when you get out of the headspace of just looking at this as, again, a roadside assistance claim. Mm -hmm. Do you do anything else in the claim space or is it more about the retention or showing a little bit of love to the policyholder at first notice of loss? Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's, a, that's a really interesting thing. Like you, you mentioned before, when you start to tie in just um, my background and how uh, startups grow and, and things start to evolve. And with COVID happening, a lot of the acceleration around the adoption of AI technology in the claim space is incredibly interesting to us. So, um, you know, we've been lucky in that since the company has started, we've really changed the space by having tech in trucks required, not, not phone calls, not the old school, not using faxes. Like we force the network to adopt to technology. So because of that, um, we're able to partner with a lot of these companies in the AI space and take the tech that they're developing, but bring the data to it much closer to the accident scene. And when I say closer, obviously, when there's an accident, there's usually three people that get involved, the consumer, a police officer, um, and a tow truck that are coming to clean that up. And so much mm -hmm. of this AI solution is rightfully focused on, you know, what role can the consumer play? But in a situation where an accident has actually occurred, especially when a tow truck's needed to be brought there and potentially, you know, EMS services and such, the customer is not in, nor no. should they be the right position to do that. And I don't think anyone would argue that. And these are typically, obviously, very expensive claims, and they happen on a frequent enough basis that we should be thinking about that. 
So what we are doing is leveraging our network, our tech, and just the relationship that we have with our providers to provide that technology on the scene of an accident, because it is actually the case now that we can make total loss determination. We can change the destination directly there to go to the right place, whether it's a salvage yard, a, you know, a collision facility, et cetera, and save thousands of dollars both in time as well as it ending up in the wrong place and fighting, you know, with storage companies, et cetera, by doing that right there. And the next step from that is obviously being able to close out a claim by doing the full estimate. Um, and, and obviously for someone with our background, um, that's really, you know, something that's been the holy grail for so long. It's just exciting to see that being a reality today. Now, I, I really want to dig in a little bit more into the AI. And I know that you're really passionate about it because you keep, you know, hammering on the table and we can hear it in the mic. So, <laughs> no, no, that's brilliant. I love it. It's like, it's real passion. It's like, yes, yes. And this is the service that we are providing our customers, our customers' customers, or the policyholders of our customers, which is fantastic. So, where where is the AI kicks in in terms of the decision making or recognizing the actions that need to be taken? Yeah, good question. So um, it's current technology today through you know companies like Tractable and Claims Genius, and you know there's others out there as well that they are very rapidly getting better and better at being able to ingest images from a, a damaged vehicle and be able to make that assessment. Um, so it's not that we, you know, are trying to develop that technology. There's no need to, there's so many companies that are accelerating that so quickly. What we are doing is basically bringing speed to the equation. So rather than waiting for that vehicle, like I said, to get lost for a while, to get stored in the wrong place, to get sent to a body shop when it shouldn't have been, um, because it was a borderline total loss or whatever, mm -hmm. we are bringing that AI technology right to the scene and using it there to then have an automatic determination come back. Let's take that borderline case that would have otherwise gone to a you know collision facility and have that changed to this is an actual total loss vehicle where we can send that on the right path um, and save those days and all those other resources and rental cars and just you know general customers waiting to find out what's going to happen um, by employing that right there. And you know, thank you for answering that because I realized that I asked the same question twice, a little bit different, and re received <laughs> almost the same answer, which is thank you. And needless to say. This is the part that I'm going like, oh yeah, I need to edit this out. But this is great. Usually I interview founders and uh, carriers and other folks in the industry. And I have a chief revenue officer. Now your original role or the first role with Honk, what was it? Because you grew up too. Yep. I was the VP of our network at Honk. So managing those 70,000 providers um, and really looking for a way to bring a lot of the lessons learned from the claim space. A lot of the interactions that insurers have with direct repair um, partners in the collision space into uh, what we do for our partners, you know, driving the right uh, behaviors and results. 
um, that incentivize the right providers and get rid of the ones you don't want in the system. Um, and then from there, you know, just as the company evolved, um, moved over into the chief revenue officer role, um, which is where we're, where we're now. So can you talk or share with the audience success stories of working with, not as a chief revenue, because people think about, okay, how much do we need to pay, right? But more about success stories with other partners and other insurance companies, and maybe if you have an anecdote, one or two. Yeah, you got it. So honestly, like, I think that's one of the mistakes is, is assuming that in this role when, you know, cause this is a role that's pretty common, I think now in startups, but isn't as much out there. And, you know, the companies that insurance companies might run into as often is, is assuming that that's basically a sale role in the company. Because your mm -hmm. example is exactly right. What you're really doing in this role is understanding the marketplace dynamics, things about what we just you know discussed with AI or other things that are changing around you and having discussions with strategic partners. So, you know, some of the insurance companies that we talked about um, earlier and, and understanding how together we can find ways that we can further adapt to and support those changes. And it, as a result, growing your company. Um, so much of being in a revenue officer role, I think, is you know, working with your own executive team with all the competing priorities of a growing company um, and making sure that they stay closely aligned with your strategic partners and finding ways that we can be very quick to move so that we're able to capture and dominate the space while it's there um, at the same time as just keeping the experience seamless and you know as a result growing the revenue um, that you have with existing customers um, farmers is a great example they've been a great partner of ours you mentioned you know long ago that you were part of the decision making process there for a more than five years ago so it's been a while <laughs> ancient history different lifetime ago the you know, it's, I would say like the companies that we end up working with. So you mentioned farmers, um, companies like Wawanisa, which is also obviously a very big company in California um, that are really pushing the, the driving um, change around them as being an advantage for the company as big as they are. They're very aggressive at looking for opportunities with tech to stay ahead and, and think about roadside as a retention tool and how it can impact claims. Um, and, and bringing that internally into your own company and saying, you know, we do roadside claims here, but what else can we do to really impact the greater environment and the bigger agenda um, that they have uh, so we can continue to grow the relationship? It's, um, it's pretty simple on paper, but I think it's one of the things that attracts a lot of the insure techs like Branch and Toco and um, a lot of mm -hmm. the companies that are coming our way is not the fact that we can change tires, right? But the fact that we can think about their business in a different way and set them up on a, a you know, vertical path of taking advantage of this huge network out there that has technology available to them. We covered, we covered most of the things that relate to insurance. Are you dealing with, who is actually using Honk outside of insurance? Because do me as a person, as a private person, can I use Honk or are there other industries that are looking at Honk for a solution? 
Yeah, absolutely. So Honk actually started as a consumer facing company first. So if you're a consumer, you can go out there still and download the app um, and you get essentially the same experience um, I'm, you know, referring to for an insurance company. Um, Mm -hmm. But outside of that, the, the area when we're talking about silver linings of COVID, the other industry that, you know, we interface with that has really exploded coming out of this is virtual car buying. So Um, all the way to, you know, no brick and mortar at all. So companies like Carvana and Vroom and everyone in that space, the difficulty for them um, is they require moving these vehicles around everywhere. And their main source, uh, you know, of logistics movement are these huge car haulers that don't belong in neighborhoods, frankly, and don't do a good job when they're shorter distances. Um, So we've seen a great opportunity here to leverage again a lot of the learnings we've had from the insurance space um, and the the algo and the technology itself um, to create a unique solution that's doing exactly that, um, filling the gap for, you know, a, a very broad definition of last mile, you know, the 50 mile range or so. Um, and it's, uh, it's a really interesting thing because it's a space that wasn't really there uh, pre-COVID. And now, you know, you can learn about those companies and, and look into them and just see the growth there. This is really the way people are purchasing vehicles now. Um, so it's mm-hmm. going back to your conversation about being a CRO and frankly, anyone who's in insure tech or a startup knows exactly that chase to constantly be pivoting to find your application in the current industry. And we've just gone through an enormous pivot um, as a nation and as, as a business. I think that's what everyone is or should be doing right now is just looking at what needs to happen internally to, to stay relevant and continue growing. Wonderful. Thank you very much. So we are reaching... The last question that I ask every interviewee or speaker, I'm not really sure how to define the, the amazing guests that I have on this show. Can you share with us a recommendation? It can be a book, a life hack, a TV show to binge, a movie, or just a hike or a hike to go to, especially. Well, that will be a little bit of a challenge. Yeah. Um, so just to try to stay relevant, I think, you know, in the last year, it's given all of us just this crazy ride. And at the beginning of the space, someone recommended a book to me um, that really, I think, was applicable and still is. Um, it's a book called Relentless by Tim Grover. Um, mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, it's not for everyone. It's almost borderline offensive sometimes because he's so raw and so rich. He was the um, mental trainer and physical trainer for Kobe Bryant and um, Michael Jordan um, and a lot of the greatest athletes. And the whole point of uh, what he's really going through there is understanding in yourself um, as well as others, what it takes to be unstoppable, like these people um, wow. and these high performance athletes and to keep going when everyone else around you is giving up, um, and thriving under pressure, not letting your emotions really get in the way of making decisions and making you weak. Um, and I think for all of us right now, especially, you know, when you're in a position where you're running a company or running a team and, and heading into this unknown space that we're all in learning to trust your instincts and not think it too much. You know, he has this thing in there where he's just like, don't think, just get in the zone, 
um, learn how to control and adapt quickly. Um, it's a, it's probably what I would say, you know, I didn't expect it as much to have such an impact, but I've recommended it to my team and I recommend it to, you know, every leader I've run into to, uh, use as well as just, you know, how to recognize talent in your own team and how to keep that motivated through periods like this. That really resonates with me. I will look into that book because we've seen, I, I, I recognize that I overthink so many, so many things. And there is the point that, and I, I feel it especially in martial arts, that we repeat a technique, it becomes our second nature, uh, muscle memory, whatever you like to call it. And then, as you said, you're in the zone. You don't think, you just act. That's right. And it's perfect because you're so tuned into that thing. Love it. I will need to check that book out. Rochelle, thank you very, very much for your time in joining me on this InsurTech Talk conversation. Thank you.